Hello, hello everybody. Welcome to the Iron Hack podcast. Um, I'm DevOps Dan. I'm Turnery Tim. Uh, how are you, Dan? Very good, thanks. I've been sick like everyone has for the last two weeks, but I'm on the road to recovery. I still am sick. <laughs> that was good. What did you think? Um, so, yeah, I thought it was good. I don't think many of our audience out there will understand the <laughs> deep English slang. Um, so this episode is for all of you designers out there. We always say something like that, but it's kind of for everyone who's in the world of tech, as always. Um, today we have um, the lead designer of the upcoming, so probably within a few weeks of this being released, it will be out, the redesign of the new Iron Hack website. And we wanted to get him on in order to talk about what it's like to work on large teams, what this challenge was like, how designers fit into these large-scale projects, and what it was like for him leading a team, the kind of tech they put into it. So a real kind of like taster um out there for anyone who's maybe just graduating or soon to be graduating or wondering what it might be like to work in a design team this is the episode for you he's also uh worked at um iron hack not on this project specifically so he's deeply passionate about what what the what our mission statement is and Mm. uh our, our our users and students so yeah could feel the passion in the interview i think yeah, so Alvaro uh, is an employee at Ironhack, and he basically just showed some passion for this project, and then he's ended up designing it. So um, we talk about it in the episode, but it's a it's a very inspirational approach to like you know taking the initiative on something and then and then getting it. Yeah, it's cool that they let him do it. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So uh, what's 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 what else? So anything else we should add before we dive in? Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't subscribed. If you want to get in touch, you can. Uh, podcast yep. at ironhack.com. Yeah. Cool. You can you can be a guest if you just reach out. Enjoy the episode. Yeah. Uh, see you next on the other side. Bye. Bye. Hi, guys. Uh, thank you very much for having me here. Um, um, my name is Alvaro, and I work as a designer in Ironhack right now, currently. Um, I've been doing this for some time now um, in different countries, different cities, but I'm actually right now living in my hometown. Came back some months ago. I wanted to actually connect back with my roots because I was like for 18 years uh, living in different in different places and I haven't been able to be here that much. So yeah, um, South of Spain, Cadiz is cold. Uh, and uh, for the last four months, I am been living here. Living the remote dream. Yes, exactly, exactly. Actually, I, I wanted to have a job that I could actually uh, allow me to do this, and this is this is the one now. How long have you been in in design in general? Has it been the fifteen years you've been away, or has it been a recent switch? Um, yeah, I mean, actually, it was for ten years that I've been working, actually working for companies as a designer. But for the first, uh, I mean, the previous five years, I was studying that. I studied something called media and I was actually doing a lot of things like it was like television, cinema, and then uh, journalism, photography, design, a lot of stuff. But during my degree, I actually realized that what I liked the most was design. Uh, so after that, I, I actually uh, learned uh, also a little bit of self-taught, but uh, I also did a master's on design because I was the, was the part that I liked the most around this, this area. Um, and after that, I started working. So working in different companies for the last 10 years. Yeah. Mm. 
and you've just recently um, been the lead designer on the the redesign of the Iron Hack website. It should have been a bit of a drum roll there, Tim. I was expecting you to. I'll do it now. If you'll do it again, it's the designer on the redesign. <laughs> Website. Redesign! Ironhack! Website! So tell us about how did you get involved in that? Tell us a little bit about the road to Ironhack. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, when I joined uh, Ironhack, actually, I was told that I was going to join a specific squad that it was going to take care of the website, right? So my first week, I was like having this onboarding process, meeting everybody and so on. Mm, but I was all the time checking the website. I, I was like really curious about how it was going to be, what things I would have to do in the future and so on and I started to see a lot of things that I didn't like <laughs> um, I started to talk to people inside of the company and everybody was like yeah we know that we've we've been saying that for a long time but we need to change it we need to change it so I actually take some time uh, I took some time uh, to present a proposal of how I would like a lot of things to be talked to my manager took a lot of people and uh, they had in mind also to do this revamp so they say yeah let's go let's do it now you're you're you want to do this we want to do this so um let's let's start um and uh, we started we started we actually uh, realized that we didn't have enough hands to do this so with that we actually would need some extra help from outside of the company and uh, we started a process of uh, looking for a specific agency that, that could collaborate with us and help us out. You, 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 just to clarify here, you didn't think, oh, maybe we could use some of the massive pool of UX UI designers <laughs> we have inside Ironhack. Yeah, actually, actually, the, uh, well, a lot of people is doing a lot of stuff. I mean, and, and they, they actually are like really busy. Uh, so, um, yeah, we wanted to, to work with people that were really specialized on website, that they had a lot of experience in B2B kind of yeah, experiences. Experience. Yeah. 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 Before you started putting pen to paper, did you do any, um, further user research around like who the people would be and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, your target audience and that kind of thing? You mean for sure. the, the end user of the website, Tim, what do you mean? Like, how do you mean? I mean, you know, like, uh, you know, when you kind of create a profile of somebody who might be, you know, uh, who who might actually use the site. Well, the reason I ask, and before he gives the answer, is because the Iron Hack spectrum is massive, right? So who is that persona yeah. of, like, anyone on earth who wants to change that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. It's not like, yeah, you just, it's not like somebody who's interested in, it, like, design or web development. It's just like... Or data. Yeah, it's like somebody who's not, almost. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we actually had a lot of information within the company. The, the, the team already had a lot of information of which kind of users normally come to the website, right? There's like demographics, and some some data around the age, the uh, uh, the countries where they live in normally. Uh, also interests, right? There's some some uh, kind of interests that they had. Also people that normally are interested into the tech world or that they've heard something about the tech world and they would like to, to be part of that. So when we did the research, we did the research with a lot of, of users, we actually uh, looked for those uh, personas, right? Personas uh, of from Spain, the UK, uh, Germany, United States, France, that could fit into the profile. Uh, and do it, uh, we did a lot of interviews with them, workshops, uh, actually with the agency that we collaborated to, to do this project. They were also helping us there 
with a, a lot of uh, gathering information, creating a new kind of uh, persona profile from this study. We took actually like kind of a month to do this study, three weeks uh, four or four weeks to do this first wow. research. Yeah. I think was there anything that came out of that that you were surprised by? Well, yeah, actually, yes. I mean, at the beginning, we had the hypothesis that there was going to be like a lot of differences between the different countries, right? Like people from Germany and people from Spain, people from the United States being really different into the uh, way they interacted with the website. Uh, actually, there were not that many. Uh, and the main key difference were between Europe and the US. For sure, there were big differences in the way they uh, would like to see the information or the kind of payments that they are um, used to use and this kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, among, between Spain, France, and the, um, Germany, we didn't find many differences. Actually, there was a surprise. Mm, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, how long did the whole project take? How long were you working on it? Like from end to end? I mean, it's not quite finished yet, right? We're, we're almost over the finish line, but... Yeah, I mean, we started in uh, January with <laughs> looking for an agency and we started collaborating with the agency in February. That was a four-month collaboration till June, more or less, 15, 16 weeks. And in there, that included the research, uh, UX part, the redesign, and then a little bit of planning how we were going to roll out that. Mm -hmm. And then we had internally uh, like some months, like four or five months of developing because it's not just redesigning the website, we redeveloped everything. Also the backend system, we, we also uh, built a new CMS uh, to get all the uh, technology behind you that. Built, you built the CMS? Uh, yeah. I mean, using, uh, using data, we are using data, which is a, a ah, specific yeah. infrastructure, nice. but we built it from scratch. We had a new, uh, uh, an old one before and we re, uh, redo everything there. The connections with, with all the tools that we're doing, CRM, Salesforce, blah, 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 blah. So what, just nice. a little, can you give us any, like, uh, you know, what special features can users be looking out for in the new launch? <laughs> That's it's like super fast <laughs> sign-ups. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we are trying to simplify the sign-up. We are trying to simplify how the user can look for a course so the search bar and all of these kind of, of widgets around. Yeah, we're trying to, to do that. Well, there's obviously better. a space for the podcast on the, on the nav bar, I imagine. For sure. That's going to be dedicated for podcasts. Nice big yeah. one. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and was there anything that really um, kind of caught you off guard during the whole process? Is like any major challenges that you faced whilst you were building it, maybe working with a bigger team or with an external agency or anything like that? Hmm. Um, yeah, sometimes working with an agency is complicated because for sure, I mean, even we were working on a daily basis together, we were having daily stand-ups and weekly meetings and everything like that, but uh, there's some uh, gap between the knowledge that we have and the knowledge that they have to get in two, three weeks. Uh, so that's sometimes complicated, but I think at some point we managed to do that. It was a, a nice collaboration with them. Yeah, it was good. Mm. How big was the whole team in the in the? In the end? Well, uh, it's a, it's a lot of people coming and leaving depending on the part of the project, right? In total, I would say maybe twenty people, but there were like I don't know, um, thirty people or twenty thirty people depending on the moments. But maybe uh, ten at one time. There were other five coming in, but there's so two or three getting out of the project and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. 
So different stages, different people. I mean, Tim, you build websites also as a as a front end developer. I certainly do. I look at lots of websites. So, <laughs> my question though is: Do you think it's a redesign is arguably more work than building one from scratch? Right? Because with a redesign, you have to take all of the existing design decisions and features and try and like change it, but not reinvent the wheel, but also make it new enough to be new, but familiar enough to be usable, um, as opposed to a clean slate. So, you know, is there anything? Which would you think if you could go back and do it again? Would you start with a clean slate, or were you kind of just surprised by any of the old design monstrosities in the old website well it, uh, coming from an old website it has advantages and disadvantages you know everything that you don't want <laughs> anymore yeah. so that's good um but yeah sometimes it's also difficult because uh yeah you have as you said you have a lot of content you have a lot of things that they have to be there because they were there before and you need to, to change them in a different way, but, but still keep them. And that's complicated. Sometimes I think it's easier to just uh, design it from scratch. <laughs> I think, I, th- I think as well, the, um, the tricky part is like, the, is the behind the scenes thing, because I think from a, if you're rebranding it from a design point of view, I think you're kind of expecting it to be new and fresh, but sometimes, you know, clients or partners will just be a bit like, we want to keep the CMS or we want to keep the tech stack. And that's quite hard because then you've got to like work out the bits that they're familiar with behind the scenes and they might be outdated, you know? Oh yeah. The upkeep you mean afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, for example, being able to switch to Dato CMS is really cool because then you kind of get rid of all that legacy of like, you know, an old outdated CMS. that's going to eventually like fall over in a few years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I think that's quite, that's quite cool. But I think it, it's more being more open to change the back end stuff is more, um, is kind of like harder to get, uh, ownership of, as opposed to changing the, the, the design in the front end. Alvaro, how, how technical did you get? How did you like take a look at the, 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 co- the tech stack infrastructure or did you just come at it from like a design and usability point of view? How did you like approach it? <clears throat> no, my part was more, more related to the design for sure. There were tech, uh, more people ready to take involved in the project. Uh, we had our, our tech lead. They were, he was always there to take all the decisions related to the new, uh, CMS system, the backend, how was it going to be, uh, the new, uh, tools that we were going to use, um, where I, I, I tried to be there a little bit, but I'm not that technical. So, so he was taking the lead in there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so what I wanted to talk to you about this project really today as much as getting some cool insights on it was, as you know, a lot of our listeners are, you know, new in the world of of tech, whether they're in web dev or, or data analytics, God forbid, or they're in uh, UX, <laughs> UI, right? So, but this is a really great kind of um, anecdotal conversation about what it's like to work on these huge projects, right? It just so happens it was an iron hack one. Um, had you worked on large scale redesign teams before or had you led one before is a better question, I think. Mm, no, not as this one. I was, I wouldn't say that's this one. I, I, I would, I would take the lead at some point of a designing something from scratch, like a whole new, uh, software, like an application or a website, but not a, a revamp like this one, uh, coming from a specific website before and such a big team, 
uh, I have been uh, participating in those projects, but I didn't take the lead on, on those projects. Yeah, this would be the first uh, project that I took the lead on. Uh, so what's the kind of usual, typical role that you play in these kind of things? Or as a designer in general, what can people expect? Like how do designers fit into these huge teams? Because, you know, it's like a a balancing act, isn't it? That You mentioned the tech lead and you as a design lead have to kind of work in harmony, but you have very different approaches. So how does it usually... I guess just a caveat that as well, I guess it's like um, a lot of people would maybe graduate and either be in a team of one if they were freelancing or they would be in a, like... (laughs) Or unemployed. (laughs) Yeah, or unemployed. That's two options. (laughs) Um, Well, no, like, you know, when you're, you know, when you're working, uh, you know, we've interviewed people who've worked at like uh, Vault, for example, or, um, you know, they're designing um, components at Tier um, and their, their design teams are like hundreds of people. But I think with what your the the project that you kind of undertook, it sounds like it was a mid sized project, but everybody had a quite a lot of responsibility, and I think that's quite difficult for designers. Um, would you say? Totally. I mean, we we had different profiles, different responsibilities, diff- a lot of people involved. The part of the design uh, role in here was more related to, for sure, creativity and the first uh, draft of how everything should be, but also uh, being the voice of the user, right? I mean, in here, um, the role was also to understand what we wanted to have, what we needed to have, and why was not working what we had previously. So the research part was super important, the conceptual part of the new style, the new architecture of the infrastructure of the website, the new UI, everything there uh, was more from the design perspective, but we always had to work with a lot of people. I mean, there was the marketing team involved, there was the technical team involved, SEO team involved, because there were some decisions related to traffic and to navigations and that part. Uh, So we always worked in um, uh, squats, uh, sprints and a lot of uh, meetings and a lot of decisions, a lot of workshops, uh, a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So what was the um, actual working process day-to-day like? Then you said lots of meetings. Did you work in sprints? Did you do daily stand-ups? How was it? Was it Scrum? Was it Agile? How did you work? Yeah, we had we had a kind of an Agile, more or less Agile style yeah. uh, working for us. We had, uh, yes, daily stand-ups uh, with everybody that was daily involved in the project. We had weeklies uh, that uh, we would uh, have gathering people more like stakeholders for them to understand how the project was evolving and so on. We had monthly uh, meetings as well for those people that were not that involved, but that they had to know because the the project was going to affect their work or their team as well. Um, And we had like a constant communication. We had Slack channels. We had uh, constant uh, communication through the tools that we were using, like Figma, comments, uh, spreadsheets, and so on. So we were like, yeah, one team working together every day. Every day. And and how did that kind of work then into the handoff with the development team? Was that, um, uh, did you do it module by module or was it just like everything got handed over um, at the same time? Um, well, there was a, a foundation part, which was we actually also created a new uh, design system. And this is something that we created also hand by hand with the tech team, because that was something that they were, ha- they were going to have to use it later. So we built the new design system uh, 
in a way that it was going to be easier for them to use it later. Uh, and the communication was going to be always through <clears throat> uh, this, uh, this uh, Figma file where we had uh, all the elements that we were going to use and also modular kind of style of working. So uh, they were developing module after module. Those modules were going to be uh, used amongst the whole website. And using those modules, we were going to be able to build pages and so on. So <clears throat> we, uh, we were doing everything step by step. But uh, as, as, as I said, the tech team was always involved because they were going to have to use this, uh, this information. So the best we could do is just ask them how they wanted to have it. Mm. Yeah, because I think so. that's one of the... Um most difficult parts about the handoff is the first step, you know, how you actually kind of break it down. Like it, do the, do the developers build atoms first? They start with like a module that contains all the atoms. Um, yeah. That, that general process is quite tricky to get off the ground, isn't it? Especially if you don't know the team. Yeah. Um, you totally. know, if just like a fresh kind of, um, you know, if they're just a fresh agency that's just coming in. We always wanted to make sure that they were always involved also in the process, even if the process was like, early if it was in the research part or in the first uh, early design part they were always there because they we want them not to see something uh, out of uh, the blue right in after two months they, we want <clears throat> we want them to to know where everything came from and why and also be participants uh, of the decisions as well and and out of interest why was it the decision or was it just kind of like a coincidence that um the the website wasn't built internally at Ironhack as well as develop. I mean, as well as designed. Was it just because you kind of had a passion for it and you jumped on it, um, or was it a conscious decision to say we're going to design it, but we're going to outsource the development? Um, I mean, no, no. Uh, we we had the the help of the agency of the first part of the project. So we had like the design, uh, research, uh, and a, a lot of other steps that we do, like the, the UX and so on, with the help of the with the agency. But then the development was hundred percent built uh, with uh, within the company. So only our developers ah, okay. built the the website. Wow. Uh, we had Got like it. the big squad. Uh, for to do that but uh, as a designer i was the only one <laughs> so i couldn't do that uh, on my own uh, all that work so that's why we we needed to to have more people do you I think see. this was like a good a good example of how it works or, or you know was it usually a lot more chaotic than this or was this like a you know a particularly good bad team how would you gauge it for potential new people I'd say I'd say that it was it was very bad. <laughs> uh, no, I'd say it was quite good. I've had some other uh, previous wars experiences working with uh, external teams for sure, and this case was not one of them. It was kind of it was kind of okay. Yeah. So I'm not trying to like set you up to like criticize. What I'm saying is like because uh, the people <laughs> listening out there are going to be listening to this and go, okay, that's how what I can expect when I work on a on a team. But I'm thinking like this sounds like everything went very well. What, so you so, so Let's, for new out there, be <laughs> bit cautious, you know. Totally, totally. I mean, we're we're still very cautious, right? I mean, we we are we are actually gonna have a, like a big change, a big step uh, forward, and we have the 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 knowledge uh, because we've done the research that this is going to work, but you never know. So we are like trying to test it out and see actually if what we've done and what we believe in is going to to work or not. So there's yeah. a test now. In you already have like um, North Star KPIs, like your metrics for success that you want the website to achieve. Is it, you know, 
Yeah, sure, sure. We have like uh, um, uh, data, like we want to reach a specific conversion rates, a specific uh, uh, number of leads capture, number of uh, users uh, trying to fill the forms, filling the forms and, and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's what we're going to measure. Very cool. And, and will there be like a kind of a beta release on, an, on, a, on a hidden uh, URL? Will it just go straight to live? Because a switchover is quite intense, isn't it? When it's just like, now it's this, and then it's this. Yeah, no, no. We're going to be doing an A-B testing uh, okay. just in specific countries. I mean, because our website is now visible in, in a lot of countries, but we are going to be using an A-B test uh, tech strategy for uh, three specific countries. And in those countries, uh, I think it was 80% of the people are going to see the old website. Some other people are going to see the new website. And we're going to see what performs better in terms of those uh, um, numbers. Yeah, re relaunching like a whole website is so, so exciting, especially when it's so like close to your heart as well. It's really like... It's a definitely a nicely packaged project to work on. Like here is it in state A, make it better, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, I got really motivated when because that started right after I joined uh, Idlehack. So I was like, I'm really, I'm really happy because I just joined and I can be involved in a project that is really mm. motivating, right? I'm not doing something that is boring. What was your? I know you might already have mentioned this. What was the job you actually did at Ironhack before this project? Uh, not much because I joined Idlehack like two months before yeah. the, uh, joining this project. So I was doing like uh, some small tasks of conversion. Uh, sorry. Uh, um, CRO optimization of the web, our website, like small A-B testing and small changes. Uh, but after two months, we started with this project. And uh -huh. uh, yeah, this is what I've been doing for the last time. Okay. Can I ask a question for the uninitiated, which is me? Um, how do you A-B test small elements on a website? Um, uh, depending on where are the elements, but if the elements are in one specific page, uh, it would be better to test them separately. So one test for this element and when it's finished, test the other one, test the other one, because otherwise uh, the different elements could be uh, affecting the other test. Got it. Uh, okay. So the idea is to test them uh, separately the best. Mm. Or right, you just cool. do like multiple landing pages. Can you do the same thing? And or you could do different pages. Yeah. So if you do it in different pages, that works fine. If it's in the same page, the different elements should be tested in different moments. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a skill in that in its own because it's very difficult to kind of create A-B tests, but then also have a, a page that also feels like it hangs together. It's like four different sliders across a page and you're like, okay, what the hell's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, but you, don't, you don't have to do them in, in tandem either, right? You could do like one for a week and then either one for a week and see what which has driven more traffic. Oh, could you do that though? Because then you have to take into account there might just be more traffic one week than the other. And the exactly. Other. Yeah, it always depends on the amount of traffic that you have. Uh, you need to uh, more or less have the same amount of traffic and uh, enough traffic to, to be able, because every time you do a test, you need to reach an amount of users seeing that test because otherwise it's not scientifically significant. So mm -hmm. you need to leave it for some time for a lot of users seeing that, yeah. Dan, did you have any more questions about the... Oh, God, Dan's dying. Sorry. He's back. Uh, um, is, uh, <laughs> did, did you have any more questions about the, the, the design process or the uh, team? Not any questions. Or? I just wanted to point out this little sort of thing we kind of glossed over, that, that's that you were working for a company and you were like, hey, I don't like this thing. Um, here's, yeah. my, here's my passion for it. And they were like, great, do something about it. And mm. in my career, like the last three or four massive turning points are, are things where I've just been like... Hey, I see this massive problem with whatever the system is we're working in. 
and then you know offered time to fix it and all every time you have like a good a good leadership team you'll find they're like okay here's some resources take a crack at it and it always ends up in something some huge step so anyone out there who is slightly thinking of taking initiative take initiative it's just this is a perfect story of that how you've done that and uh you know totally agree yeah i mean the worst thing that can happen to you is that they say no so just do yeah. it yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's always better to be the voice of the voice of like <clears throat> trying to make a change than someone who doesn't say anything. So, totally, just exactly. a reminder for anyone out there. All right, I wanted to talk then. I wanted to get a little bit of a. Um, we missed it at the end of the year la- uh, last year, Tim. Um, talking about kind of what the world of UX UI might look like in 2023. And seeing mm. as you're fresh off a new design, which I'm sure you've had to implement some of the most cutting edge, you know. Uh, design tropes out there. I thought maybe we could do some little deep dive into. What do you think, Tim? You, know, you, might, yes, you, you must know too, right? You've been making front end websites all day for the last two years. Yeah, yeah, I have. I have no idea. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, next. So yeah, what do you want to say? You want trends for the for trends for 2023? I guess, and they might date the podcast a little bit. But I wouldn't mind finding out like what's going to be the new thing because obviously you've got to consider now that like everyone's making making everything with chat GPT now, right? AI is everywhere. Tim, oh my God, I forgot to share something. Sorry to get ahead of myself. There is an AI, it's called Tome, T-O-M-E. It mm. generates pitch decks, slides. You oh give my it, God. You give, it a, uh, you give it a prompt, it creates eight slides for you of whatever the topic you want. And I know how much you like making slides, so technology has sucked the joy out of that for you too now. Oh, God. It's also, I, I also, there's an, um, an AI for generating um, stories for Dungeons & Dragons campaigns as well. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't blow my mind too much. So, but this one, so the reason I mentioned the slides thing is because you can do, give me a design pitch deck and it will give you like, you know, color palettes and, and uh, you know. Ah, like the templates to then go, like what you might need to, what you might have missed and all that kind yeah. of thing. You could also say, give me a, a, a Google slides presentation with your slides presentation on like the Neanderthal dinosaurs and it will do that for you. So it's like, whatever, it's much more reaching than Amazing. you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crazy shit. It is not. It's not. I was, I was actually, um, I saw, sorry, we've gone on a bit of an AI tangent, but, um, <laughs> I, one of, one of my kind of like real, um, annoyances is book recommendations because I feel like I like science fiction, but then also, also like just general fiction. And I find there's not really a tool to like, oh, well, you can't, so I really like, I really like things that are science fiction, fiction, general fiction. fiction. So yeah. you like every, I like all books basically. Well, like, so I would say that any science fiction book I'd be, have, I'd be willing to have a go at. Like I just think, okay, if it's, if it's highly recommended, you, I'd give very, it a go. You very, very, you might as well have just said I like fiction and nonfiction. There's nothing else on the spectrum. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, I didn't, I didn't say, I meant like, I like science fiction and fiction, not nonfiction. I think nonfiction is also easy that's, recommended. That's a very, okay. So out of all of the, so like, all fiction and then out of all of okay, the, the I'm going go, to take some okay I'm going to take some step back because I don't think back. I think people have been trying to recommend you books for years and the problem is maybe I maybe. can't actually read book recommendations okay here we go I'm going to try it again I like books from different genres okay but I find it very hard to then like aggregate the books that I like in each genre and then have the recommendation given to me so like there's Goodreads for example which is just 
just reviews, but you don't know the demographic of the people who are reviewing them. You don't, you can obviously go into there and like say, okay, Dan's reviewed this book uh, and I've got to click through and then I've got to check his profile and see what other books he's liked. And it's very hard to actually aggregate. If you have got a wide ranging um, taste in fiction, it's hard to actually boil that down into book recommendations. And I saw that somebody had tried this with chat GPT and it, um, and it was very good at it. So I did the same. I typed in like four or five different books that I'd read over the last two years that I really enjoyed. And it gave me some suggestions, two of which I'd already read. And then another one that I just started and I absolutely love it. And I would never have picked it up, never, ever picked it up. And it's, it's great. Very interesting. Okay. Well, that's like a happy ending to that then. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Happy ending to a difficult journey. (laughs) (laughs) Did you, um, did you come across or implement any new, any new design tropes in the, in this website? Anything that was new to you this time around? Any tools, for example? Um, uh, no, no, I would say that not to this website, but we want to implement a lot of new stuff. I mean, actually what we've done right now is to create an MVP, minimum viable product for, for this specific website, which the most essential part, uh, just uh, test it out to see if it works or not. And if it does, we will be adding a lot of new stuff, which maybe some of them have, have never seen them before. Uh, be, but for now... <clears throat> It is uh, really uh, what we what we believe that maybe can work, um, but after that, yeah, we want to include some other super cool extra features related to personalization, content, uh, uh, geographical uh, kind of um, specific information, and so on. Uh, actually, right now, websites when you get into a website, normally, uh, if you get into a website and I get into a website, we're gonna see the same. Yeah. Right. The idea is that. At some point, if you get into a website and I get into a website, we're going to see different stuff because our interest, our personality, and what we want to see sometimes is different. So our um, goal at some point, maybe, in, I don't know, a lot of years from here, from now, uh, when somebody gets in idolhack.com from, uh, from my, for example, you and me, we're going to see totally different content and so totally different um, uh, information. Yeah. I like that. So, like, person, the same domain, but with personalized uh, layouts and yeah. reviews. Yeah, yeah. We were. I mean, I, I started to to test that out in some of the previous companies, and it actually worked really well because somebody that is in uh, Germany in a specific uh, uh, city and with a specific uh, climate or with a specific. Um, time of the year is not going to be feeling or wanting the same thing that a specific person from Argentina in a specific time of the year in a specific moment of his life. So uh, having all the data that we could have from that person, we want to offer that person uh, what they want to find. Uh, and that could come from changing the order of the information, uh, changing some of the information, um, giving uh, the information a different kind of touch in terms of copy or in terms of uh, uh, even colors sometimes can actually work better. Uh, We discovered sometimes uh, in my previous job that, I don't know, red was working better for Japanese people than from US people uh, for uh, some of this kind of stuff. And actually it it helps. You target, I mean, especially with like um, ads, you you target, you target ads and stuff, don't you, to to everybody. So it makes total sense that you could collect like uh, cookies and, and. um, Okay. But here's what I'm thinking. I wouldn't want it to show me layouts that I already like. I, what I would prefer is new ones that I don't see very often. So therefore it would have to like invert my, 
my cookie you know what i mean well that's like the whole like algorithmic like you know yeah. that's like that whole al- algorithmic nature of the internet though isn't it it's like I, I agree with you i think it's better to just say like explore yourself and, and see things that you might not like but um it's like when it asks like hey do you want to make personalized website uh, adverts to me you know and for, mm-hmm. for a while i was like i mean i know there's this data collection thing but i was like well i might if i'm going to be targeted it might as well be something i'm interested in and now it's like nah make it you know Spice it up. Like <laughs> give, gonna, me some, gonna, give me something new. Give me something yeah, new. Like just because yeah. I'm talking about sleeping bags on the train and you start showing me sleeping bags, you know, like just mm. what if I wasn't already searching things? Then what would I see? That's true. That's true. But for, for example, imagine there you want to study, I don't know, UX, UI design and just sometime uh, get into the uh, idonhack.com website and you look for UX, UI design and then, I don't know, you decide that you have to go for lunch. Whenever you come back, we should be able to tell you, hey, You've been here. I know you like UX UI design. You want to keep on looking for this. Is this something that interests you? Uh, we know that you are in France. So I have to tell you specifically that uh, we have uh, a specific certification just for your country. And actually, it's just for free if you are this age. I mean, all this information is relevant for you, but maybe not for me that I'm in Barcelona. So that is what I mean. It's this rabbit hole of like, do people want to give up the, the the tracking information? But also, like, there are so many use cases like this one where it's absolutely not harmless, but at the same time, you start the slope, right? It's like, yeah. of course, I can tell you what the price of the course is in your country, but you have to tell me what country you're in. And people are like, nope. Again, <laughs> man, I'm in, I'm in the Bahamas. And it's well, so it's actually, it's, I mean, for Ironhack specifically, it's, it's quite an interesting one, isn't it? Because you could say that, like, um, language obviously is like a no-brainer and you you know that would be great to see but then you know if a, if a female uh, landed on the website and you could serve information about how often you know the, the gender split with, within IHAC which is very neutral you know like 50-50 I think most of the time <laughs> that would be a really a, a great thing for, to show um, uh, to show prospective students if that was the, what they were interested in but that would be such a quite a big revealing piece of information just to sort of have available to you via your browser wouldn't it like we'd have to like how <laughs> what's your gender <laughs> you see, if you're on a website what's your location age and gender people are like, uh, uh, gone weird asl remember asl it was a uh, from the old are you guys old enough to remember that you used to asl used to be like an introductory thing in like the early 2000 where you talk to someone on msms just something you'd ask asl which is asex remember <laughs> uh, I didn't know. I didn't know the. I didn't know the acronym. I didn't know. That. I didn't know what it meant. A A sex But then again, I'm thinking, why was I ever just talking to randoms? I guess I wasn't really often. Yeah, you know, I don't think I ever had the chance to do that. No. Yeah, it's one of the things I was scary. One of the things I was thinking that I've definitely seen as a design trend, it maybe it's not like maybe it's design trend of last year was definitely like um, generative design. So like using um, generative gradients and artwork that would be kind of part of websites. Um, is that something you've come across uh, much? Or, uh, and, yeah, because I, I've, I think that's very uh, exciting, especially when you can kind of translate those uh, generative values to css values and then you know implement them as a web developer um, totally totally I yeah, that, I mean, that's probably the trend that i spotted we we came up uh, i mean we actually started from scratch i mean we re- re- rethought 
uh, our brand values. So we actually studied again what our brand was about and we, we defined a new archetype of our brand and our new, uh, yeah, the, the new brand values and so on. And from there, we came up with the idea that uh, we wanted to be a hero and a hero from the future that could help everybody, can achieve, everybody can, uh, can ever overcome anything that comes in their, in their, on their way. So tr trying to translate that into the new trends, like as you say, for example, gradients and so on, uh, we, we actually saw a parallelism between powers and gradients and be lightnings and uh, um, this kind of metallic style from the future and so on. So we mm. tried to include that into the new redesign as well um, uh, as a new kind of rebranding as well, coming, coming from, that, from that idea. Yeah. So, uh, last thing then, for any um, any of the new designers out there, do you have any any big pieces of advice for people looking in the market right now? Anything you can, you know, try, people are trying to figure out how they can stand out, trying to find out like what they can do right now. It's a massive question, but we always like to ask designers <laughs> how they can make their portfolio maybe a little bit different. Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> Uh, I would say for, for sure, for specifically for people that they don't have much experience yet, that they are trying to start their career and so on, uh, everything is valid, right? So not only what you've done professionally in for a company or for a specific client, it's valid. What you've done in your room for two hours uh, yesterday afternoon is good. So if you think it's good, you can share it. You could also include it in your portfolio. I would appreciate that. Uh, and I would try to um, see how the person is also through this kind of work. So uh, not only uh, be sharing their, their specific professional uh, experience, but also what they, what they do in their normal life. This is mm -hmm. also that we could value as, uh, uh, as for a person or their artistic creativity. You can see that also in everything that they do. Uh, so yeah, that's my personal, awesome. my personal um, idea. I think that's also something to, to share. So not just the highly polished stuff, just put everything in there, kind of change it up a bit. Yeah, yeah, everything that they, that they believe that they seem relevant or that they see themselves represented on, they could share it. Even if it's, yeah, something that is not um, uh, for a company or for a specific client, something that you did yesterday that you think is good, that you believe that you've done a good job and that you can show uh, some of your skills, that you've uh, um, tried to, that you've read something, that you've uh, seen something, that you've studied. This is something really relevant as well. Alvaro, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, very much for having me here. It was really fun. <laughs>
Bye. <laughs>